The following audio is from Crossroads Church, a church in Lincoln, Nebraska, centered around building genuine community through authentic faith. More info can be found at lincolncrossroads.com. Amen. So anybody know what today is? Palm Sunday. Somebody said Sunday. Yes, it is Sunday. It is Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is the day, uh, or is the, the Sunday before Easter, where the church celebrates um, really kind of the start of Holy Week, that last week of Jesus' life before he goes to the cross and, and ultimately um, raises from the dead. But Palm Sunday is the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem. Uh, Lazarus had just recently be, been raised from the dead and he's eating lunch with Lazarus and he starts coming into town and then everybody's hearing about it. They want to see Lazarus who he raised from the dead. They want to see Jesus and, and they start, they start since, hence the name, throwing palm branches down on the road before they start taking their jackets off and, and making this, this, uh, this room for him. And it's just this like elaborate display of worship. And it wasn't just like a couple people, like, uh, you know, the Pharisees and, and Jesus' uh, like opponents, if you will, they kind of set themselves up against him. They were freaking out and they're like, ah, the whole world has gone after him, right? The whole, whole nation is gathered together and uh, they're in Jerusalem and everybody's worshiping and it's just incredible. And, uh, you know, I made this comment a couple weeks ago, or maybe even last week, I don't remember, about how. Uh, Palm Sunday is an interesting Sunday because I, I know that less than a week later, they're like, there's a crowd of people being like, crucify him. Like, where did that crowd come from? There was probably some of the same people that were shouting Hosanna, which is just a, a declaration of praise. And so here, here's the deal. I got to be careful not to get caught up. Like, because there's nothing wrong with necessarily the worship, but it was really the reason for the worship. What was their worship that day? based on. I think this is critical, right? Because for that crowd that day on Palm Sunday, their worship for, not all of them, but for a large part, their worship, their expression of praise was based on their expectations of what Jesus could do for them, right? Do I need to switch mics or am I good? All right. Um, this, this expectation of what Jesus could do for them. And so, um, when he didn't perform, or else you could say he died, okay? He didn't come through, then they were gone. But so I want to look at something different. So why is it that our worship is not fleeting like it was then? It's because our worship is based on something different, right? Like on Palm Sunday, for the large majority of the crowd, their worship was based on Jesus meeting their expectations. However, our worship today is based on this risen savior who already like blew our expectations out of the water, right? And still sometimes we put our expectations on Jesus. But I want us to remember this, that my praise, that my worship is not based on what he can do for me. It's based on who he is and what he's already done for me. <laughs> and that's enough. 
And so as we, I want us to keep this in mind, and this idea of Palm Sunday, this idea of our worship, not being based on our expectations of Jesus, but on the fact that he's already blown our expectations away, on the fact that he's already risen and, and given us life. And I want us to keep this in mind as, as we kind of look to uh, a little bit later on in the New Testament as Paul writes about worship. I'll be honest, I've really enjoyed this, this study of worship over the last few weeks, um, I, this, uh, and I've enjoyed making this worship thing a series, not just a standalone message. I've heard a lot of sermons on worship, like the way we express it in music and all that kind of stuff. And we, we say worship and we think of like a, a setting, you know, like this. And, uh, and that's great. And there's things to learn. And we, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. Like there's, there's a purpose in music and a worship to help us express our praise and gratitude in a way that words alone can't do. And I've also heard messages about like worship isn't just music. Worship is this lifestyle. But I, but I think to really understand what worship is about, I think it's bigger than we can do in just one sitting. So yes, I, I hope, like week one, we talked about making room, making room in our lives for worship. My hope, my prayer, my desire is that, that some of you will have, over the course of the last few weeks we've been talking about worship, make room for actual declaring our praise to God in our own lives. It's, it, it's, I've not done a study nor read of one, the, uh, the number of people who actually like with music praise God or worship God like Monday through Saturday. Um, it's probably shockingly low. Not, it's, probably, it's not shocking. It doesn't sh- shock anybody. It's probably just awfully low. And yet we see throughout scriptures this, this expression of praise and music. And we need, to, we need to make room. If we're going to make room for our Bible reading, if we're going to make room for prayer, we got to make room in our lives to worship, right? Right? I know some of you are like hard, having a hard time amening that because you're like, okay, I still haven't done that yet. I still, I'm still working. That's why we do series so I can remind you every single week for like a month, all right? Because Lord knows I need it, okay? I need those reminders. But it's been fun. And so now we're going we're gonna to look at another side of it. I, I want us to look at the, the lifestyle aspect. We're going to look at a verse of scripture that you've heard me, if you've been a part of Crossroads long, you've heard me talk about this one a lot. Drop it here and there because I just think it's so powerful and, and, and rich. And it's this, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. So therefore, I urge you, this is interesting. Paul's writing a letter, right? He's writing a letter to the church in Rome and he's writing a letter, da, 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 And then all of a sudden he uses this language, a strong, I urge you almost like, like, it's not like starting a letter, like, hey, you really need to pay attention to what I'm about to say. No, he's just going along. He's saying this stuff. He's writing his letter. And then like he, this pause comes like, okay, okay. Listen, you, I, like, I, I need you to understand that this is significant. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, which I think that is just introducing the, 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 the posture and the position of worship, isn't it? In view of God's mercy. Remember some of the ways that we defined um, worship over the last few weeks? One is seeing God for who he is and seeing myself in light of that. In view of God's mercy, that is what it is. Like when I see God's mercy, when I see his, his grace on my life, I can't help but see that and see me in light of that mercy. Mercy without a recipient of mercy isn't mercy, right? Mercy implies that I'm, I, I, I don't deserve it. Like I, I don't deserve his goodness and his love and his grace. And so I love it. He says, I urge you, I urge you, listen, 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 listen. In view of who God is 
and who you are in light of that. This is his instruction. I urge you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is your true and proper worship. You know, we've, we've defined worship in a variety of ways. We could have just picked one definition of worship and just stuck with it all month long, but instead we've kind of given slightly different angles to kind of paint a, a, a more broad picture of what this, this life of worship is. It's, it's seeing God for who he is and seeing myself in light of that. It's bowing my knee to his throne, which is really a rewording of the first, right? It's, it, it's saying, God, like I surrender to who you are. It's, it's, as Beth talked last week, it's this idea of reverence and adoration, like a praise to him. Today, again, rewording it, but kind of using this Romans 12 as, as, a, as a model, it's the intentional or deliberate act of surrendering my will to God's. All right, if you're taking notes, write that one down. Worship is an intentional or deliberate act of surrendering my will to God's will, my will to his. And so what I want to look at today is, is, is based on this text here. I, I want us to look at what is, what is let, let's talk about worship beyond the music, right? Because music and worship is fantastic. We gather together, we play the music, we worship God, we allow like God to, to just flow through us and we praise him and we lift him up and we bow our knee and it's a fantastic time of praise and worship before God. But what happens Monday through Saturday? What Can I worship when I go to work? Can I worship when I leave and I get in my car and I go have lunch with my family? How, what does worship look like then? We're gonna look at worship beyond the music. We're gonna look at, this lifestyle of worship. So I'm going to give today, I'm going to give three keys to living a true worship lifestyle, okay? Because this is what we're talking about. Remember, we've used John chapter four when Jesus is talking to the woman of the well and she's like, I got these questions about worship. Where do we worship? And what does it look like? And all those types of things, like, is it here or is it there? Or is it like they do it? Or is it like they do it? And he's like, I'm not even going to answer any of that stuff. Let me just tell you how to worship. He says, I'm going to worship in spirit and in truth. In truth, the true worshipers worship in spirit and truth. And then we get the same idea, the same theme in Romans chapter 12 when, when Paul's like, it's not just about music. It's about living a life of worship. And he says, as we offer our bodies living sacrifice, this is our true and proper worship. So let's look at three keys to living a true worship lifestyle. The first one is pretty straightforward, pretty obvious. True worship, one, true worship requires sacrifice. Kind of right there in the text, right? True worship requires sacrifice. So I want us to think about, like, when we hear the word worship, and I don't know what comes into your head when you hear the word worship, but for most of it, it's, most of us, it's going to be some context of a gathering of people and then another smaller group of people on stage playing instruments and everybody singing songs of praise uh, to God or, or about God, right? It's in some capacity, that's typically the picture that comes to mind when we think about worship. Well, you got to think about this. To a Jew in this time area, time um, of history, 
worship was not just singing songs. In fact, and now, yes, we see music incorporated in worship all throughout the Old Testament, but, but, but the primary form of worship under the Old Covenant in the Old Testament is that of sacrifice. Right? We, we talked a little bit about what this looked like a month ago when we looked at this, uh, the topic of tithing, but remember the first, if, if you were raising cattle, the firstborn of every single animal was sacrificed to God. And I know like for us today, like that's weird. You're right, it is weird, okay? But it, it was what worship was. It was what God prescribed for worship. You take your, your, your first one and you, this, this thing that is valuable to you and you sacrifice it to God. And then it wasn't just that. There, there's more worship. Then one out of every 10 of the rest of them, right? One out of the 10 of everything else you have, you come and you, you give it to God. And by giving it to God, you don't like put it to good use, right? It was, I'm gonna go give it to the, the priest so he can have a pet goat. Like that's not, that's not what it was for, it was a sacrifice. Like, I'm going to take something that's valuable to mine. I'm going to take my hands off of it, and I'm going to give it to the Lord. And, and what does he ask of it? He asks that we just kill it. Uh, I kind of liked that little guy. But I'm, I'm going to take my hands off of it, and I'm going to give it to him. And then on top of that, there was other sacrifices that could be offered as expressions of worship. There's drink offerings. And then like, again, if it was a liquid type of offering or crops or whatever, it would, it would, we would look at it from a logical reason um, perspective and say, no, I'm taking something valuable to me and giving it to God. I mean, like, let's, let's look practical, hand it over to the priest, and then they're going to waste it. They'll pour that drink offering just out on the ground. It doesn't even make any sense. And yet, this is what God asks for. He asks for us to worship through sacrifice. And, and in sacrifice, he asks for us to worship in, in a way where we are going to give over the best of what we have for him to do whatever he wants with it, even if it seems ridiculous. Have you ever thought of worship that way before? And so now here in the New Testament, Paul is playing on these themes when he says, now here's what worship is, true and proper worship, real worship. And I'm not just going to like state it. I'm going to beg you to live like this. To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Notice he doesn't say offer your hearts. That would be easier because it's like theoretical, Right? Oh, I offer my heart to you, Lord. He's like, great. How about your body? What does that mean? How do you offer your body to God as a living? This could get real weird. This could get cultish real fast, right? Don't worry. Let's talk about what it means to, when we say that body, there's a physical aspect to this, okay? So let's talk about the resources that we have. Like our time and our talent and our treasures. You know, you, you want to you live a life, a lifestyle of worship. It's not just coming to church and singing really hard. That's, that's a fantastic aspect of it. And man, God inhabits the praises of his people. But Paul said, when you get up from that time of worship, this is what life looks like. You take your hands off of your life. 
You take your hands off of your resources. You take your hands off of the way that you conduct yourself. And you just offer it to God and do whatever he wants to do with it. And I think that uh, an easy way, at least for me, and maybe this will be helpful for you, so what does that look like? Okay, that's me. I want to do that, right? Like, let's do this. Let's, the Bible says it. Let's go. Where do we start? I say we start with time, talent, and treasure. Let's look at our time. I say, God, I want to, I want to give you a, 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 a sacrifice of, of worship. So I'm going to give you my time. That means I got to evaluate the way that I spend my time right now. God, I want, I want to worship you and give you time. So what does that look like? I mean, it could be something. I mean, obviously, the thing that I'm supposed to say is like, hey, serve more at church. I don't necessarily know that that's always the answer. Some of you, yeah, serve more at church. Some of you, you're doing a great job. Others of you, you need to back off a little bit because you're serving a lot, right? Like, so that's not like the, the, one, the one size fits all thing, right? Like, because some of us, the doers, the motivators, the goers, what we want to do is like, I want to give God my time. And then what we mean is I want to accomplish a whole bunch of things for God. Let me go give him this and let me go this and let me go this and let me go this and then we go this. And then you wear yourself out and because you know what? Praise God. It's a sacrifice of worship. And he's like, I didn't even really ask for all that. When was the last time you said, God, I want to worship you with my time. God, how would you like me to spend it? How would you like me to spend it? You know, sometimes God may be calling you to give your time to launch a new ministry that's going to impact people and change people's lives. Or maybe, maybe he's calling you to play dolls with your four-year-old. Are you willing to worship God and to offer him your time and step back and take your hands off of it. See, this is sacrifice. As long as I'm controlling how it, the outcome, then it's not a sacrifice. But sac worship requires sacrifice. Am I willing to take my hands off of the gift that I'm giving to God? How about our, our talent? God, can you, God, use me. Use me. God, uh, like you've given me talents, you've given me passions, you've given me abilities. God, I give it to you. And you might say, I want you to give your life to full-time ministry and this is going to be your career. That could be it, right? But guess what? Listen, I, right now, you could say that what I'm doing, I'm preaching. This is God's work. This is a, a sacrifice of, of worship. I'm getting paid to be here. Um, so I don't even know if this counts, <laughs> It's not a sacrifice, it's my job. I mean, I love it and it's for God, but it's, it, this is a weird job I have. Like, I'll just be honest, okay? But what if I were to like, God, I'll, I wanna give you my talent and ability in a capacity where I don't get anything back. Have you asked that question? God, what are the things that you've gifted me at? God, I, I just wanna, I wanna serve you with them. And if it changes the lives of millions, great. And if it doesn't seemingly impact anyone in the near future, then that's okay too. But my worship is going to be a sacrifice. I take my hands off. How about our treasure, right? Like there's, there's a certain element of, of my finances. 
And, and, and I'll talk, this is part of the reason why I think tithing is so significant. I think it's one of what God does is like tithe is like, you don't just designate your tithe. I'm gonna give, hey, Grady and Sandy, you're doing missions work. Hey, I'm gonna give my tithe to you guys. That's not actually the biblical model of that because then I'm still in control. If worship is, is an expression of, of, of the, the, the sacrifice, then it means I, I give and I take my hands off. If God wants to pour it out over here, he can. If he wants to pour it out over there, he can. That's why I think that, that the biblical model of tithing is to give to your spiritual covering, which for the most of us would be the, the local church, right? So am I worshiping God with my hands off of it? Man, there's too many stories, just, just in pastor world, I don't even go into detail, but there are too many stories of people who've given to the church, and then because they've given to the church, they feel like they have a greater say in what goes on. Can I just encourage you, don't be that guy. Not just because you will give pastors headaches, but because Jesus says it this way. I'm paraphrasing. But if you do spiritual activity to, in some capacity that you're getting a return on your investment, that's all the blessing or reward you're going to get from it. He says, you've already received your reward. So if you give of your treasure, and maybe it's a genuine sacrifice, but you keep your hands on it, and I'm, listen, I'm not addressing specific issues. If that's you, I don't even know, okay? So don't think I'm like addressing problems in the church right now. But this happens. It's our own human tendency. And, 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 and we, we want to keep our hands on it. And guess what? The, as long as our hands are on it, we're not living a life of a living sacrifice. And it's not really worship before God. So what is it? So, so, so how do we do this? So we come to God and we say, God, I want to give you a, a, a worship in my lifestyle. And so what that means is like, I am going to live sacrificially. That's what it means. God, I'm going to sacrifice my time. I'm going to sacrifice my talent. I'm going to sacrifice my treasure. And, 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 and the question, and true worshipers pray this prayer, God, I want to give you my it starts there. God, I want, I want to give you my time. Use it as you want. Direct me and guide me. God, I want to give you my talent. I don't know what you want to accomplish with it or if you want to accomplish, accomplish anything with it or you just want to see if I'm going to give it to you. I don't, it doesn't even matter. But God, I want to give you my talent. You do whatever you want with it. God, I want to give you my, my treasure. God, my bank account is open. Tell me what to do with it. And sometimes it's not always just financial things. Sometimes it's like... I'll, uh, I'll brag on Gary. Uh, a lot of you know Gary. He, he, he has a gift of giving. And that doesn't mean just, you're like, oh, I don't, so I don't have to give anything. That doesn't work that way. But that's a sermon for another day. He, he, he gets giddy, like, like silly schoolboy giddy when he has the opportunity to give. And he and Pam are both like this. But they, they, they so <laughs> they've been empty nesters for a while now, but just within the last few years decided to buy a 12-passenger transit van. That's not so they could <laughs> cruise around town in comfort. <laughs> um, that's because they said, I want to worship God with my treasure. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend my money on that which can bless other people. Like, what if we all took that mentality, not just with our finances, but with our time, with our talents, with our treasure? Like, God, I don't need to get anything for this. In fact, if I don't get anything for this, I'll be even better because then that's true sacrificial worship. 
If I start return, get a return on my gift, it, I don't even, maybe it's, I'm God, I'm God's good. He knows our hearts. Maybe that's still worship. But like what we see here is like, it's, it, it's not about me. It's a living sacrifice. So the first key to living a, a true worship lifestyle is to understand that true worship requires sacrifice. You see, the, the, the common, the more common question is not, God, I want to give you my uh, talent, time or treasure. It's not even, how can I give you? That's another good one. How can I give you? The common question that we hear more often is, what is required of me? Right? And that t- word tend to, tend to go, God, what is required of me when it comes to my time? What is required of me? I don't want to give you one minute more than you need. What is required of me? God, what is required of my talent? God, you've given me this talent, and I'm going to use this talent to put bread on the table. So I think that should be good. But God, is there anything else you require of me? I'm hoping not, but if there is, I guess I'll do it. God, what what do you require? And this is why tithing is such a big deal for a lot of people, is because of this question right here. What is required of me? What is required of me? Uh, Well, you know, it doesn't say thou shalt tithe, therefore I'm off the hook. That's fine. You are. That, that's, that's fine. Um, but that's an easy question to ask. What is required of me? But it's not worship. It's not worship. And so that's the second, that leads us to the second part, right? The second one is true worship begins with obedience. True worship begins with obedience. True worship requires sacrifice. That is absolutely true. But true worship begins with obedience. You know, there's a, a story in in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 7, um, where, where David is like, hey, I want to build God a, a temple, right? I live, and this is, it even says this, he recognized I've got this palace and people go to worship in a tent and that seems wrong to me. So I'm going to go worship, in, I, I want to build God a, a temple. And I'm sure he, ha- he did have pure motives, but you know what was also mixed in those pure motives where I feel bad that I have more than God, Again, there's a lot there. Okay. But here, here's the deal. He, he's going, I, I have a desire to worship God, but I'm not ready to take my hands off of it. Right? I have a desire to worship God. I'm going to build, so I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to give sacrificially so God can have a place where people can be worshiped. Isn't that the best worship that would be possible? And God's like, I didn't ask for that. I, I asked for obedience. Um, you know, sometimes God is going to call you like, like Solomon to offer him a whole bunch and build a house of worship. And sometimes he's going to ask you for small things that are never going to be seen. The problem with David here is that David struggled to remove his will from his worship. I, I think we struggle with that too sometimes. There's too much of me involved in my worship. I've got to learn. I've got to learn how to live this sacrificial life. But here's the deal. It starts with learning obedience. Sacrifice is important. But there's another uh, story in, in, Psalm, uh, in Samuel, but it's the first Samuel, all right? First Samuel chapter 15. Um, this is, this is kind of crazy. This, this story really, man, this one is an interesting story. God tells King Saul to go conquer this certain city. He goes and does it. And God tells him, don't take anything for yourself. Okay. You need to wipe all, all of their resources, all of it. 
all of it. Don't take any of it for yourself. So David leads the army. They go, they, they conquer the city, but then he takes the best of, of the land, best of the crops, best of the, the maybe not the crops, best of the, the livestock. There we go. And he takes the best of it and he takes it so they can make this giant sacrifice, this big worship. And they're sacrificing to God and praising God. That sounds awesome, right? Like they're taking the best of, of, of the stuff and, and they're, they're worshiping God as sacrifice. He asked for sacrifice. They're doing all this. And, 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 then, and then Samuel shows up. And Samuel says, why did you not obey the Lord? 1 Samuel 15, 20. He says, but I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, their king. The soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. Right? So he just explained what I just said. But Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord. To obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed, another word for obey, is better than the fat of rams. An illustration of sacrifice. He goes on, listen to this. For rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Okay, many of us have heard that verse before, for, the rebel, for rebellion is like the sin of, of witchcraft and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. But did you know it was in the context of the, the rebellion and uh, arrogance is actually pointing to an elaborate expression of worship? That's interesting, isn't it? Here Saul makes this elaborate display of worship but in doing so, he wasn't obeying God. And God's like, you think I care more about this like really cool display, this grand gesture than I do about you walking in obedience to what I've asked of you? Like you took what I said and, 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 and kind of like fitted, fit what you wanted to do in it and then justified your behavior? Oh yeah, but I was worshiping God. Here's something I got to ask myself. God, do I make grand gestures without first seeking to walk in obedience to you? God, do I give you, God, I want to give you my time. I'm going to show up to church on Sunday and I'm going to, I'm going to worship with the best of them. You know what I mean? I'm going to shout hallelujah. I'm going to, I'll even jump up and down when the music's going. And I'm going to raise my hands and I'm going to make this grand expression of worship. And God's like, cool, but are you like, giving me your time the rest of the week? Do you spend any time with me at all Monday through Saturday? If not, like the grand gesture is fine. But if worship is a sacrifice, we have to understand that God desires obedience before sacrifice. So before we can get to that place of true and proper worship, we got to start with real obedience. So am I obeying God with my time? Am I giving time to him? 
right? Am I, am, I, am, am I a workaholic that's working and working and working and working and working? I constantly put my family on the back burner and I don't give them any time. The family that God has, has called me to, to lead and shepherd and oversee, but I am, I'm so fixed on, 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 I'm gonna provide. It's a financial provision and everybody knows they need you more than they need your money. And yet you just are gonna blindly walk into that and then you wanna show up and give God my time on Sunday morning. And you're like, man, you, 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 you think that's worship? Like, you gotta obey first. How about my talent? God, am I obeying you in the way that you've gifted me? How about my treasure? Again, this is, this is we see this, this is easy. Like, I, it's so fun to give the projects, but if I don't do the faithful giving, like, he desires obedience more than sacrifice. Worship is an act of sacrifice, but worship without obedience is just, it's just a fancy rebellion and arrogance. Let's go on something a little bit easier. All right. Number three, true worship involves our attitude. True worship requires sacrifice once. One, true, worker, uh, true worship begins with obedience. And three, our last one today, true worship involves our attitude. Let's go back to our, our Romans 12 text. Uh, he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to present your bodies as living sacrifices. And what's that next phrase? Somebody, somebody say it to me. What's that next phrase? Holy and pleasing. Your translation might be a little bit different, but it's something along those lines. Holy and pleasing to God. So what, what about this? What about the one like, hey, I'm walking in obedience. And again, it's not perfection. I'm not walking in perfection, but I'm walking in obedience right? To where when I, I misstep, God, and God reveals it to me, I surrender. God, I'm sorry. I, I confess my sin. God, again, so don't, don't, don't live under condemnation or the heaviness that comes with following the law, but with the freedom that comes with striving to obey what God asks. I just want to do what my father asked me, okay? It's not heavy. His burden is, is his yoke is easy and his burden is light, right? This isn't a heavy thing. Like, I just want to strive to, to obey him, and I'm, I'm doing that. I'm not perfect, but I'm striving to, to obey him with my tithe or with my, my time, my talent, my treasure. I'm, 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 I'm striving to, to sacrifice, right? But how many of us have made this sacrifice before? I'm willing to do whatever you want, whatever you want, God. But they just asked me to serve and teach the kids on Sunday morning. And okay. I'll do it. So you get up on Sunday morning, you come, you show up, you're ready to serve. And maybe you're not angry or grumpy, but you're just like, just, just serving God. Man, I'd rather be in, but I just serving God. Anybody ever? I have. I have. You're like, no, 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 I, I, wanna be, I don't want to be a complainer. I don't want to be a complainer. I'll just bottle it up and seethe on the inside. I'm, not, I'm, too, I'm too holy to complain out loud. I'll just complain in my heart. Let me ask you this. Is that holy and pleasing to the Lord, do you think? Is it obedient? Sure. Is it sacrifice? Absolutely. Is it holy and pleasing? Hmm. How about this one? 
And again, I'm, I'm making these, like obviously our kids' workers are fantastic because that's not where their hearts are, and I love them. They do a fan, amazing job of teaching our kids and laying down their time to be able to serve. Like, so if, if you have a child in, in nursery or kids, when you go pick them up, thank them. And do it next week too. Otherwise, they'll have like a whole bunch of people thanking them today and nobody thanking them next week, okay? Thank them. Because um, they're serving and they're worshiping God by teaching your children. But how about this one? How about the one who's like, I'm going to be on the worship team. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to sacrifice. Sac- I got to get up early to do it. I'm going to sacrifice so that the whole church can be blessed by the talents that God has given to me. Praise the Lord. Okay. Let me ask you something. Is it obedient? Sure. Is it sacrifice? Well, yeah. <laughs> the holy and pleasing? Mm. Jesus says they've received the reward in full. We love to say, oh, God knows my heart. <laughs> I think it's one of the most dangerous things in the world to say because he knows it better than I do. Let's be careful, church. Let's be careful, church. I want to I read for you Philippians chapter 2, verse uh, 14 through 16. I remember we were, we were teaching through Philippians, and this verse of Scripture stuck out to me so strongly in, in this text here. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 says this, Do everything without grumbling or arguing. We get that, right? Like the same thing we teach our little children, right? Don't complain, don't grumble, and don't argue, right? But the strength of this, what the verses that come next are the ones that like, like, I'm not sure we grasp this. Listen to what Paul writes to the Philippian church next. Do everything without grumbling or complaining so that, okay, you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Okay, Lord knows we live in a crooked and warped generation. He says, if you don't do everything without grumbling and arguing, you will not become blameless and pure in this generation that we live in. (laughs) That's strong, isn't it? Because he says, this is how you're going to get, how, how, do you, how do you live in the middle of a generation that looks like the one we live in right now? And somehow, somehow in, in, in life, we've, we've, we've like justified, and not only justified, we've elevated um, like, like righteous complaining to like a virtue. Right? I mean, we, we see it all over the place. Like you'll never become blameless and pure in this messed up generation that we live in right now while grumbling and arguing. You want to worship God in a warped and crooked generation? You sacrifice time, talent, and treasure, but you do it with a pure heart. 
You're gonna, you're gonna sacrifice and people are gonna take your time, talent, and treasure and they're gonna disregard them. They're gonna take your time, talent, and treasure and they'll dismiss it. They won't see it. They'll misinterpret it. Now here's the real test of, is it pure worship? Are you grumbling and complaining? Grumbling and arguing? And again, like the illustration I gave before, it doesn't really matter what comes out of your mouth. What matters is what's grumbling in your heart. If I want to be a worshiper, I've got to learn to lay my life down and lay down my, my time, lay down my talents, lay down my treasures, lay down all these resources, lay down all that I have, all that I am, and say, God, you do with it, with it however you want. And I can guarantee you people will walk all over that. But shoot, the first sacrifices were literally burned in front of them. Somebody walking all over your time, talent, and treasure just seems par for the course. Now, can we, can we be people of true worship? Not just those who sing on Sunday, but those who live it Monday through Saturday. What's your heart like? See, Jesus quoted the prophet Isaiah in Matthew 15, 8, and he says, these people honor me with their lips. They're good singers. Oh, they're so good. They can harmonize and stuff. It's wonderful. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Paul goes on in this, right? So they may become, do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Get this, and this is, this is just crazy to me. Then you'll shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And listen to what Paul says about what this means. If, if, if they do this, what it means for him. He says, and then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. The people that he was discipling, this was the sign that he knew if his ministry had stuck. This was the sign. If he knew that the, the work of Christ had, had gone down deep, this is how he knew it. There were people who didn't grumble and argue. That's sobering, isn't it? If, G, if Paul was our, our discipler, and he looked on my life, Would he be able to know, I didn't, I didn't work in vain? Man, you know what I left behind? You know what was deposited in them? We're worshipers. Not singers, but worshipers. Not just those who showed up to church, but those who showed up in life sacrificially. Those who gave of themselves those who didn't ask what is required of me, but God, how can I give this piece of me? How can I give my time to you? How can I give my talent to you? How can I give my treasure to you? And it doesn't matter the response. It doesn't matter if, if, if I get a great payday from it. It doesn't matter if people thank me and bless me for my sacrifice. 
The true test of worship is that I just give it and then my heart is free. I give it and I'm filled with peace and love and joy even if it's not received well. Even if it's burned on the altar. Even if it's poured out in front of me. Guys, I, I don't want to just be like a church-going Christian who knows all this, how to sing the songs. I don't even be one that like genuinely gets into it. Worship. I want to be one that lives worship. And you know what's going to happen? I'll tell you, you know what's going to happen? If we, the church, if we Crossroads family begin to say, no, 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 I'm not starting my day with what is required of me. I'm not starting my, my, my Christian life with like, what do I need to do in order to get by? But rather, how can I offer myself fully and completely? You know what's going to happen? You live all week that week. And then when you gather with the body of Christ on a Sunday morning and begin to lift your voices in praise and worship, you know what's going to happen? It's going to be the richest, deepest, most fulfilling time of worship of the week if our heart have been there all along. But we gotta, we gotta learn to walk in obedience. We gotta lead with sacrifice. We gotta guard our hearts. So we go back to Palm Sunday. Now let me ask this, is worship based on my own expectations or in a risen Savior far beyond any of my expectations. Why do we worship? Because what, what is being proposed right here is not always easy. So the question is, why do we do it? Because we serve a God who is way beyond anything we could even ask or imagine. We serve a God who takes care of us no matter what we face. We serve a God who has the power to raise the dead. He's worthy of my worship. He's worthy of our lives, isn't he? Father, we praise you and we thank you because you are a good God. And God, we worship you today. We raise our voices, we sing, we play our instruments, we make noise. God, we, we get excited about you. But Father, we want to be people of worship that goes deeper than just the music. We want to be a people who are constantly growing and being able to live a life of sacrifice. Not saying, God, what do you want this time? But God, what can I offer you today? God, we thank you. We thank you for who you are, for what you do. We thank you that, 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 that you are strong enough that you are big enough, that you are powerful enough to handle all of who I am. <laughs> Father, would you receive our worship today in both song and deed? We love you, God, and we give ourselves fully to you. In your name we pray. Thank you for listening to this audio from Crossroads Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Crossroads, please visit lincolncrossroads.com.